Well, good evening. We are a few here tonight. It's cold outside, which probably, I'm sure, um, caused a few people to want to stay in. And uh, But uh, I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, great morning this morning. Great to have Donald and Collier officially with us. Um, had a an experience this afternoon that was sort of new to me or that was that was a partnering really with um, our church and with another church in the area. Um, I had the question this morning, there was a church in the area that needed to baptize and their plans were to go and baptize uh, this individual uh, in the lake this afternoon. And uh, this uh, concerned church member here said, is there any way that we could share our baptistry with this church? And so uh, I was able to camp, come this afternoon. Steve filled it up this morning after the service and um, got to see another church come in and, and use what God's given to us uh, to baptize, which I thought was a really kind of a cool thing. And this was uh, Grace on Pelham. Their, their baptistry uh, is one that's portable and it's it's kind of hard to get in and out, and so it just sort of worked out for us to to share with them. So great experience. Thought I'd share that with you. That's why there's water up there uh, in the baptistry tonight. Um, there's sign-up sheets for dodgeball. In case anybody here is interested, um, you know you want to play dodgeball. Ray Ray's back there beaming and. Uh, I was going to say, the problem is a lot of us would play, but then we'd all be injured, you know, and, and uh, just be out of commission. Um, VBS coming up, uh, great, looking forward to VBS. The theme this year is Sky, and um, kind of a unique theme, but uh, talking about that nothing is impossible with God. And uh, the gospel will be clearly presented, and I just want to challenge you. Uh, we're thinking we're going to have a really good turnout this year with children, and we're going to need helpers, need workers. So, again, there's sign-up sheet, and uh, you can come to that informational meeting next Sunday. All right? Well, Ethan is not here tonight, and uh, he is with the North Greenville Choir, I believe, singing somewhere. And uh, so, as David told me a minute ago, uh, looks like I'm the show for the night. And... Uh, uh, Jed asked me if uh, Jed asked me if I wanted a strobe light and some smoke, and I said, "No, I'm I'm good. You know, I think I'm think I'm good right there." My daughter says that would be nice, but uh, well, let's open with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right into uh, continuing the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. God, what you've done in our lives and what you've done here at Abner Creek. Lord, thank you that you have given to us. And Lord, help us to be generous people, generous with what you have entrusted to us. Lord, help us to partner with other churches and not become territorial and um, competing with other churches. God, there are so many unchurched people right here in the Greenville-Spartanburg area. To think that one church could reach them all is... It's vanity, Lord. It is, um, it's ridiculous, and it's very selfish and prideful for us to think like that. And so, God, guard us from thinking like that. And, Lord, help us to use what you have given to partner with other churches so that Greenville and Spartanburg knows you. 
so that they come to know you as Lord and Savior. Uh, God, I, I pray tonight uh, for Ethan as he's away. God, I pray that you would watch over him. Thank you for what he does here. Thank you for all the work that he does, and not just leading us on Sunday mornings, but God, all the things that behind the scenes no one ever sees. God, I, I just thank you for him. Lord, thank you for Greg and what he's doing with our students. God, thank you that, um, uh, God, that he's going to be with us longer than we thought. And, God, that, um, that uh, he is looking forward to getting married this summer. Lord, I pray for he and Whitney as they move toward that day. God, I pray that we as a church would love him and love these two young men particularly. And, God, that we would invest in them knowing that one day they will go out from us. And uh, we will send them out. And the way they go and minister other places will be a direct result of how we love and pour into them now. Um, God, I pray that as I teach tonight, God, that you would be our teacher. Lord, that we would um, informally walk through this. But God, that we would not take it lightly. But God, that we would see your word as our authority. And it is what we need um, for everyday living. Lord, I pray, God, speak through me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we have been walking through uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and um, been here for several weeks. Took a break from it last week, but uh, back here tonight. And uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, what we've covered so far, is uh, really three things so far. There's a fourth coming. But the Holy Spirit empowers uh, the Holy Spirit purifies, uh, both corporately as well as individually in our lives. Uh, and then we've been looking at His revealing work, that the Holy Spirit reveals, and we'll continue to be here tonight. Um, tonight we're going to, what I want us to spend some time looking at is that the Holy Spirit reveals a God-like atmosphere. A God-like atmosphere. What do, what do I mean when I say a godlike atmosphere, let me ask it another way. What is God like? Holy. What else? Say loving. Who said that? Sandra. Loving. Forgiving. Is that what you said? It's hard to hear up here. I'm sorry. Yeah, holy, loving, forgiving. What else? Righteous. What'd you say, Abby? Is that that he stole yours? Yeah. Any others tonight? Yeah, eternal. What is it? Humble. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that this morning in the text in Jesus' humanity. He was humble for us. Yeah, you know, we could go down the list. And so we sometimes use these sort of churchy phrases and say the Holy Spirit reveals a God-like atmosphere, and that just gets lost. And we think, what, what, what does that mean? Well, all we're saying is what God is like, we oftentimes experience that when the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. Okay? Um, so let's walk through these. First of all, because God is holy, the Holy Spirit will at times bring about conviction of sin, conviction of righteousness, um, conviction of judgment. 
Turn, if you will, to John 16, verses 8 through 11. John 16, verse, verses 8 through 11. Jesus here is speaking of him going away, and it's good for them that he goes away, because if he goes away, then he will send the helper. In verse 8, he says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. See, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. When I stand and preach, when you share the gospel, we need the work of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. We need them to go from not believing to believing. And that starts with being convicted over sin. He also says concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Jesus tells them the Holy Spirit will come and convict of righteousness because I won't be here. I won't be here to instruct you and to show you and model for you right and wrong. He says in verse 11 concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Isn't it good that the Holy Spirit uh, reveals from time to time to us that Satan has already been judged, that he is defeated. He's not put away yet, but he is defeated. And uh, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, reveals this holiness because God is holy. You ever been in a, in a church service or somewhere where there was just this awareness that you were on holy ground. I mean, there was just a conviction of sin and a conviction of righteousness and judgment. Well, that's the manifestation or the work of the Holy Spirit. I've been in a few of those meetings, and it is just, you don't know what to say. I, I've, I've sat through sermons, um, one in particular, uh, a couple of years ago. We were at First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida at the pastor's conference and heard David Platt preach. And when David Platt finished preaching, this room full of pastors were just still. Nobody knew what to say because it was so convicting. It was so obviously right and it was so obviously true that we all were just stunned by the holiness of our God. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, because God is love, He pours God's love into our hearts. Turn to Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, 5. Here He's talking about these things. We have peace with God. Through Him, we've obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. And in those sufferings, we, they produce endurance. And endurance produces hope. And in verse 5, he said, or character produces hope. And in verse 5, he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, who has been given to us. What he's talking about here is we don't have to worry that one day we will stand in the final judgment and be embarrassed because of how we have lived our lives. We won't have to worry that one day we're going to get to the end and realize we were really chasing a dream, that this whole Christianity thing was, was false. We don't have to worry about that because the, the Holy Spirit has poured the love of God in our hearts and changed what we love 
and that confirms that one day it, everything will pan out. Everything will be set right. It changes what we love. It gives us love for one another. Uh, this morning as I was preaching, and, and uh, I made the statement, it's something like this morning, I, you know, um, we, we have to be marked by our love for one another. Talking about how um, Jesus here uh, demonstrated that love. We've got to be marked by that love, how we love one another. And uh, I just knew that people were going to say, that's right, amen. And uh, it was just silent. And, and I thought, wow, I would have said amen there, you know. And uh, I would have amened myself there, you know. But, but the reality is that, that God has poured, the Holy Spirit pours the love of God in our hearts. And it changes what we love. Our affections change. We no longer have affections for maybe the old sinful ways that we once had. Uh, and, and sometimes that's progressive. We also develop a love for one another. Uh, I stood up this morning and I, and I started saying before my mic worked, uh, you know, I love my church. And I was really honest in that. I'm really truthful in that. I, I love you. I love what God's doing here. And uh, I really sense that there is a genuine love among the people of God here. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? There you go. Way to go, Ray. Um, I wasn't really fishing for that, but that's good. Um it also at times creates this atmosphere of love. And one of the things about Sunday nights generally is oftentimes we come in here and there is more of a sense of just love for one another in here. Because this, yes, yes, the body is gathered on Sunday mornings, but there's something about gathering on Sunday nights with the core where there's, there's just an obvious unity here and there's a love for one another. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, also, because God is not a God of confusion, He brings an atmosphere of peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that God is not the God of confusion. He's not a God of confusion. And there in 1 Corinthians 14, it's really talking about uh, all the different things that were going on in the worship services and how there needed to be order in those worship services because God's not a God of confusion. But it also points to the fact that there are times in your life when the Holy Spirit will come and give peace that is just unexplainable any other way. You know, I've been in situations where, you know, really, some, I should have been going out of my mind. I should have been worried. I should have been, you know, losing sleep and not eating. But I, everything, I, w- I was at peace. I knew that things were fine, that God was in control. And where does that come from? It comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, fourth here, uh, or, or fifth, I guess, or whatever the case may be. I don't know where we are now. Uh, because God is a God of joy, He brings an atmosphere of joy. Turn to Acts 13, verses 48 through 52. Acts 13, 48 through 52. Here, the, uh, the early Christians in the um, early church here in Acts, they are sharing the gospel. They're sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. Uh, and in verse 48, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying, the, and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. And the leading men of the city stirred up 
persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We see here the work of the Holy Spirit twice. Uh, first with the Gentiles. They received the, the gospel and they rejoice. They're filled with joy. And then secondly, in the midst of persecution, a time when you should not be full of joy, they are rejoicing. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's people all around the world today. I just read, uh, Wallace brought me a printout this morning of a pastor there, and he's, he volunteered to step into a place where the previous pastor um, was killed. His family was killed. Everything, everything he owned burned up. And here's, here's a man who comes along and says, you know what, I'll take his place. I mean, that's, that's strong, isn't it? And to rejoice in that could only be, only be explained by the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he writes Philippians, when, when he writes there, Philippians talks about joy more than any other book of the Bible. And when Paul writes it, he's writing it from jail. He, he tells them, I rejoice. Rejoice over you. And he just exudes this joy. Where does that come from? It comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. You can't drum up joy, but neither can you steal it. You can steal happiness. Hear me on this. You've got a lot of people that base their Christian living and their decision-making on their feelings. This just doesn't feel right to me. I didn't feel like this was what I was supposed to do. Well... Christian living is not about feelings. Now, there are times when, when the Spirit will lead us and there's this sense that we just know it's right. We talked about that a, a couple weeks ago. But too often we make decisions based on feelings. Uh, I heard Andy Stanley this morning preaching from Atlanta and he was talking about husbands and wives and they talk about we're done, we're through, we have fallen out of love, we're not in love anymore. And he said, you know, the question he often asks them is, well, are you loving one another? What do you mean? We just told you we're not in love anymore. He said, I know, but are you loving one another? Because what we've got to see is that love and choosing to follow Christ is a verb. It's not a feeling. This, This faith of ours is based on facts. And there will be times when it doesn't feel right. It's in those moments that we've got to be um, confident that we are deciding to follow Christ in spite of that. The feelings will come, but we don't go that way first. The Holy Spirit produces uh, joy in our lives. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, there are some just general qualities of God that the Holy Spirit, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit producing a God-like atmosphere, these are just general qualities. We ask the question, what's God like? Well, here you go. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. You know, there was a sense this afternoon when I was standing here with just a handful of believers. And, and they were using our baptistry. 
there was a sense that the Holy Spirit was really involved in that. That it was just right because it was kind of us to allow them to come and use our facility. It's just a, just a sense of, of the Holy Spirit working there and a partnering of churches and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, truth. Uh, turn to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. John 14, beginning in 15, Jesus says, here he's promising the Holy Spirit, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Uh, Talking about the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Even if the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, uh, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's important to note there that he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Later on, he tells the apostles, he's going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit, there's, there's something that goes on um, where the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. Uh, I can stand up here and preach. Sometimes I stand up here and preach and everyone just sort of looks back at me, you know, and uh, I'm wondering, boy, are they hearing anything? You know, and this morning... Anybody get warm in here this morning? I was warm this morning. Okay, some of you were. I went, got in the car. My wife and son said, "I felt fine." So you know, you can't please everybody. But I knew it was warm because I looked out there and I saw several going. (laughs) You know, and uh, and that's not always just because it's warm. You know, sometimes that's just me. um, You know, but I knew it was warm. I can have you know days like that where I'm preaching and. And I can look out there and I can think, boy, they're getting nothing. But then I hear people come up to me afterwards and say, boy, the Spirit of God just spoke to me today. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, leading us to truth. Leading us to truth. Helping us to see the truth. When you, sometimes when you're in your own quiet time, your own devotion time, and you're reading Scripture, and you've read that Scripture a million times, but you come to it and all of a sudden, you see it in a new and a fresh way. It's the work of the Holy Spirit leading you to truth. He's the Spirit of truth. Not only truth, but wisdom. Uh, turn back to Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 11, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. He's talking about the Messiah here. When the Messiah, the, the, the root from the stump of Jesse here. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. That's the verse this morning. Do you, do you remember me saying that they threw the cloak over his head and they punched him and beat him and they asked him to prophesy? This was the verse that they used when they did that. They had this mistaken interpretation that based on that he would judge not on what he saw and what he, what he heard. They interpreted it to mean that he would judge on what he smelled, which is a weird way. It's a leap there, you know. And so they threw this over him, and when they said prophesy, 
they were assuming that he, if he's the Messiah, he can smell us. And he can know which one of us punched him. You know, I mean, in, just totally going past the fact that they're punching him. And they're mocking him. And they're putting God to the test. But here it says that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And it calls him the Spirit of wisdom. Wisdom and counsel will, will rest on him. Well, Jesus here says, it's good for me to go away because if I go away, the helper will come. So we can infer there that, that the wisdom, the counsel that the Spirit brought to Christ, he will also at times bring to us. I can remember early on in youth ministry, and I was very green. I didn't know much of anything. I certainly didn't know my Bible well enough to be answering biblical questions. And, and I remember one day a, a question came up, and I don't remember what the question was. Uh, but a question came up, and it was in front of the whole youth group, and there were parents around, and there's about 50 people in this room, and the question was posed to me, and I had no clue what the answer was. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely no clue. And I remember just in an instant praying, God, just me and him, I said, you know, I don't know the answer here, but God, would you help me to answer this question? And it doesn't always happen that way, but instantly there was an answer. And that, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it was God answered my prayer and gave me counsel to answer this question. Now, I'm not afraid to say to you, you know, I really don't know what the answer is. And I would have said that then, but this was a... This was a um, an instance where I believe the Holy Spirit brought wisdom and counsel to me. There will be times in your lives where you will need that wisdom, where someone will come to you. You, not, you may not be in a vocational ministry position, but there, if you're living for Christ, there will be people around you that will come and ask you questions. Um, the Spirit of God can give you wisdom. Now, we shouldn't we shouldn't stay away from our Bibles and just think, God, I'll just, when, when that question comes, I'll just ask you. Um, that, that's the wrong approach. We should live in the Bible. We should be like the tree that's planted by streams of water. But the point here is that the Spirit of God will bring wisdom. Does that make sense? Okay. Also, the Spirit of God reveals a God-like atmosphere by bringing comfort. When you experience comfort, uh, turn to Acts chapter 9. And I don't mean comfort like the Snuggie, you know, in front of the fire, you know, watching your favorite movie with your favorite snack. Uh, turn to Acts 9. Uh, Acts 9, verses 26 to 31. And when he had come to Jerusalem, verse 26, he attempted to join the disciples. This is talking about Saul. Saul has seen Jesus. He's repented. He's been converted to Christianity. He tries to come and join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road that he had seen the Lord, who had spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent, sent him off to Tarsus. 
So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit as it multiplied. Can you imagine if you're living in days of the early church? You're, you're a believer and persecution is rampant. It's legal for them to imprison and to kill you for your faith. Yet your life has been so changed by the gospel that you could not possibly deny Christ. And you're there with a group of believers and you're meeting in secret together behind closed doors and there is a knock at the door. And someone goes to the door and says, Who is it? And the voice on the other side says, It's Saul of Tarsus. You've heard of this Saul of Tarsus and he's the one who was standing by holding the coats when Stephen was stoned. When he was stoned to death. And, and you're thinking... We can't let him in. There's only one possible reason why Saul could be here. Let's hide. Everybody, shh. Turn the TV off, right? Everybody quiet. Imagine how uncomfortable they would have been to receive Saul, Paul, into their fellowship. Only the work of the Holy Spirit could bring them to the point where they all had peace together where Saul goes from Saul to Paul, and he works right alongside the same Jews that he had tried to persecute and kill. That's comfort. No snuggie in the world can produce anything like that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there's times when in your life, and we talked about this with, with peace, there's times where it's just comfortable. It's just an, not comfortable in a bad way. Not that you're settling or that you've gotten into a rut, but, but what you're doing, there's this sense of comfort that it is the right thing to be doing. I spoke um, maybe last time about when, when I first heard from the pastor search team here and we began to talk, there was a sense of comfort. There was just a sense of ease as we talked to one another. And it just felt right. And I, again, tell you that we don't need to make decisions based on feelings. But there are at times when the Holy Spirit will, will bring just a real sense of peace and comfort. Um, he also brings freedom. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this does not mean what a lot of people use it to mean. A lot of people use this verse to mean that there should be chaos in worship. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there should be freedom. We should be able to run the aisles, jump over the roads, do all of this stuff. And um, you know, we're, we're a long way from that as Baptists, you know. And so we don't really have to worry about it too much. Um, but I don't think that's really what it's speaking of. I think what it's speaking of instead is where the Spirit of the Lord has come and taken up residence, there is Freedom from things like guilt and condemnation and sin and death. There is freedom from animosity between brothers. There is freedom to enter boldly into the presence of God. And that's what it's talking about. There's freedom there. With the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. Um, hope. The Spirit of the Lord brings hope. Uh, Romans 
15:13. This is a verse that I uh, used to use quite a bit. Um, I pray that you will overflow with hope, that the God of hope would cause you to overflow as you believe and you trust in Him. That's basically the verse there, Romans 15:13. You can look it up later. That He brings hope. And in the midst of life, that you overflow with hope. That regardless of what comes your way, there is this sense of, this is right. This is true. This is, uh, this is what I am supposed to be doing. And I will hope, against all odds, I will hope. Um, it's, a, it's a no-so hope. It's a, it's a confidence. The Spirit of the Lord reveals a godlike atmosphere by bringing an awareness of sonship or adoption. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. One of the um, beautiful things that was said Today, with this young man, this young man was um, that was baptized this afternoon was probably in his twenties, um, married, young family, getting ready to move to Orlando. I thought he was uh, earlier. I thought he was military, being ready to be deployed, but he's he's being relocated to Orlando and don't have a church yet. But one of the things that was said by the pastor who baptized him was he, he called him a son of God a son of Christ. And, you know, we don't often use that language. We talk, we kind of, the world, I think, wants to think around us that we're all sons of God, that we're all children of God. That, you know, all, God, all people are children of God. And in one sense we are because our Father in heaven, not just our Father who believe in Christ, but all of His creation, He's benevolent toward. He causes the sun to shine on the just and the, and the unjust, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's fatherly to all. But for those who come through Christ, that come to God through faith in Christ, that we are truly adopted. We become children of God. That He becomes our Father in a totally different way. Um, and this shows up in the comfort level sometimes when we pray. When we're able to, to talk to the God of the universe. Imagine if we didn't have that relationship of being adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. And you try to come before God and talk to Him. Uh, it's, it would be a uh, kind of a fearful approach. But we've been adopted as sons and daughters and invited to the table. Invited to come and speak to Him boldly. And to lay our hearts out before Him. The Holy Spirit brings an awareness of this and confirms that we truly are children of God. The Spirit of God sometimes brings a godlike atmosphere by bringing glory. Uh, there are times when uh, this is closely related to a service where it's just obvious that you're just on holy ground. Um, Isaiah 6 is that passage that I think of when I think of glory, where um, Isaiah sees the Lord high and on His throne and the train of His, of his robe fills the temple and the seraphim are flying here and there and 
six wings. With, with two, they're covering their, their face. And with two, they're covering their feet. And with two, they're flying and going here and there at, the, at, at God's command. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah says that the whole, the whole place is just filled with His glory. Well, I've been in services like that. Uh, I remember as a student minister um, in a service at camp one year, and just way beyond emotions. Sometimes, sometimes camp events can be very emotional and play on kids' emotions. Way beyond emotions. There was just a real sense of this was the glory of God, that we were on holy ground. And I remember a teenager came to me afterwards and said, I don't remember going to the front of the room. But I, I, at one point I was up there. And it was just this sense of our God is absolutely glorious. And you get lost in that. There are times when I stand right over here and, and I sing the songs. And I get lost in the fact of uh, in our, the glory of our God. I watched my wife lead in worship this morning. And, um, and I think there was probably a moment this morning where she was lost in the glory of God. And I think the Holy Spirit brings that awareness of His glory. The uh, Holy Spirit reveals a godlike atmosphere when He produces unity. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Paul here says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And um, the Holy Spirit will bring unity. I was talking with someone the other day, and the comment was made that there is more of a sense of unity here at Abner Creek than there has been in a long time. Isn't that true? That, is, that cannot be given to anybody but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has brought us together, and that is a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing to say that we are unified here at Abner Creek. There's been some days where, in not too recent months, where we weren't always unified. But the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of our God is faithful. And He has brought us together. That's a wonderful thing. The last one, the Holy Spirit manifests or reveals a godlike atmosphere uh, when He brings power. What was it that Jesus told those early apostles? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth, we will receive power through the Holy Spirit. He, he produces this godlike atmosphere. I've been out sometimes and, you know, again, either here preaching or somewhere else teaching and think, boy, I'm just really dropping the ball. I, did I study it all this week? And you're stinking it up and having people look back at me thinking, you know, boy, I just need to bring this one in for a landing. You know, I need to I need to go in quick on this one. And it's a lot of times in those moments where God works because 
God can only get the credit in that. Nobody else can get the credit. There's power there. I've been, I've been out before and on visitation or sharing the gospel with someone and think there's no way they will ever listen to what I'm going to say. But the Spirit of God has been working before I got there and there's power in what I'm saying because He has already set His affection on this person. And uh, we can go on and on about this. What I want you to see in this is the Holy Spirit, part of what He does is He reveals a God-like atmosphere and that means that there will be times when we will experience real moments of love, holiness, of glory, of forgiveness, of unity, of power, all of these things. And when we're in those moments, we dare not, we dare not say, well, it was the lighting. Well, it was the music. Well, it was the illustrations. Well, it was the temperature in the room. Well, it was anything else. Let us be quick to say, glory to God. Glory to God. Whether it's in a corporate worship service or whether it's in your life personally, when you encounter and experience these things, make a note of it and stop quickly and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit as a helper to me and and glorify Him. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love You. God, thank You for loving us. And God, thank You for the Holy Spirit. God, thank You, Holy Spirit, that You are active in our lives, active in our church, active here, active in other churches. God, help us to not get caught up in ourselves or think that we're the only show in town, but God, help us to be dependent on Your Spirit. Lord, help us to be faithful to Your Word, to labor as You've commanded to share and to witness wherever there are opportunities. But God, help us to never lose sight of we can do it all. And if we do it in our strength, it will come to nothing. God, we need you. We need you to manifest yourself through the person of the Holy Spirit. Reveal, God, we pray for in your mercy more and more and more God-like atmospheres that we would walk in and experience because you are active in our lives. Lord, help us. Help us to live holy. Help us to live on mission. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night.